Welcome to Agribusiness Conversations. This is your host, Amber Morin. In today's podcast, we are talking everything beef, and I mean everything. The conversation goes from beef education, sustainability, to going into talking about beef lips, beef liver, and in today's rapidly changing world, you never really know what's going to end up on the menu. So I hope you enjoy and laugh along with us. My guests on the show today are from the Arizona Beef Council. I have Lauren Scheller-Mailing, Executive Director, and Tiffany Selchow, the Director of Social Marketing and Consumer Outreach. Both of these women have been longtime beef and agriculture advocates and have personal experiences and roots in the ranching industry. So let's dive in, ladies, first. Thanks for being on the show. Can you give me a brief history about the beef councils across the nation and the checkoff programs? When was Arizona's Beef Council established and why? Absolutely. Thank you for having us, Amber. Interestingly, the first beef councils were started in the 1950s, officially. And here in Arizona, cattlemen and women started a voluntary checkoff on per cattle load at that time and rail loads of cattle. And it was a movement where cattlemen and women across the country saw this need to have a self-directed and self-financed promotion and education effort on behalf of the industry to promote beef to consumers. And certainly though, many of the things that may look the same similarly that we do now, it certainly has evolved and we have great technology available now, as well as what the Beef Council's formal structure looks like. And then in 1971 in Arizona, the state legislature formally started the Arizona Beef Council. Then in 1985, the federal act and order became in place as part of the 1985 Farm Bill, and that's the Beef Research and Promotion Act. That is what we follow now today. And there are 44 state beef councils across the country who all do similar programs as what to what we do here in Arizona. And where the funding comes from is a dollar per head beef checkoff that is collected when cattle change ownership. So when cattle sell from one rancher, one dairyman to another, a dollar goes to beef checkoff. 50 cents of that stays at the state level. And then 50 cents goes to the Cattlemen's Beef Board to whom national organizations contract to implement national programs. And then we can utilize a lot of those national programs here in the state as well. An important part of how the Beef Checkoff Program works and how programs are implemented is that it is all grassroots and producer controlled. So all of the state beef councils have producer as cattlemen and women, cattle feeders and dairymen. Sometimes there are importers, sometimes there are businesses who are in the meat business or retailer food services on those state boards. As well as the national board is made up of producers who are appointed nationally. And so that is how all of the decisions about all of the programs are made. Lauren, thanks for that great explanation. I'm just curious what resources you have to offer beef producers and business owners to sharpen their industry knowledge enhance their skills as advocates, and really, at the end of the day, promote their product. Tiffany here. We are fortunate to have a lot of really great programs that are out there for producers to use to help promote their product, to enhance skills, and to gain knowledge about the industry. So I'm going to cover a couple that we actively use here in the state and also across the country. The first one is the Beef Quality Assurance Program. I think a lot of producers are pretty aware of that program. It's a national program that raises consumer confidence by offering proper management techniques, 
and a commitment to quality within every segment of the beef industry. It's training producers on how to handle cattle in a better way to produce better beef, to kind of boil down that very long statement. This is a training that can be done in person. Our U of A, University of Arizona Extension, does trainings quite often. And, but it can also be done online. So the cool thing about the online training is you can pick out which segment of the industry you are a part of and do that specific training program. So if you are a cow-calf producer, there's a cow-calf producer BQA training all the way up through a transporter. So if you're a truck driver, you can go through that BQA training as well. The cool thing about this is it's definitely something we've focused on producers in the past, but it definitely tells a good story about how producers are raising cattle. And so here recently we've started to share that story about beef quality assurance more with consumers. Consumers are asking about how cattle are raised. I don't think that's anything new, but it's definitely more popular recently. And the BKA program is a great way to talk about how we're raising cattle. Another program on the more consumer side of things is the Masters of Beef Advocacy Program. This program is solely based online. Um, it's a self-paced course, and it trains producers on how to advocate better for the beef community. So right now, we have about 15,000 members that have gone through the what we call the MBA, Masters of Beef Advocacy Program. And how it works is there's five courses that you go through in this online course. And the courses are the beef community, talking about raising beef from pasture to plate, focusing on the community of people involved throughout the beef life cycle, raising cattle on grass, so it's introduction to how most cattle start their lives. Then we move into the life in the feed yard, talking about feed yards and the importance of those in the cattle life cycle. That's really the feed yards are a great way to tell the story about animal care, nutrition, environmental stewardship, as all those things happen quite in depth there at the feed yard. And then we take it from cattle to beef, which is the fourth course. It's an in-depth look at the slaughter process and the humane handling. We get a lot of questions from consumers about that portion of the beef life cycle. And finally, the last course is the beef it's what's for dinner course. So it's a primer on choosing and cooking the right cuts of beef and the important role of beef in a healthful diet. So saying all those courses out loud, one might think, if you're a producer, I already know all this stuff. Why do I need to go through this program? The cool thing about the Masters of Beef Advocacy Program is it takes the information that you already know, and it boils it down and helps you to understand how to better communicate it with consumers. And so that's really the goal of the MBA program is how can we talk to consumers in a way that they understand and make them feel good about eating beef. Tiffany, I love that. And I'm just sort of curious, this is a question that might throw you for a loop, but I doubt it. What has been feedback from people that have attended your master's in advocacy program? That's a good question. And I definitely love the light bulb that goes off over producers' heads. You know, when I can talk somebody into signing up for the MBA program and have them go through it, they come back and they say, you know, I did know a lot of that information, but it helped me think about it differently. It helped me think about it from a different perspective, and they felt more confident in communicating that information with consumers in the future. Well, and Tiffany, talk also about the top advocate training that we've now had our second year of to elevate those folks, people in Arizona. Good point. So we have a program here in Arizona called the Top Arizona Advocate Program, and it builds off of the MBA program. So other states around the country have been putting on these trainings for a few years, and we jumped on board last year. It was our first inaugural training. Amber was part of this. 
it's identifying people that are already out there promoting beef, talking to consumers in some sort of public fashion. So we look at people that are active on social media, if they're in a job role where they're already talking about it. We have one gal that came with us last year that posts delicious food recipes on her Instagram. So people that are out there talking about beef already, we bring them in and do an in-person training. So it's all day long. We bring in Ryan Goodman from the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, who's a contractor to the Beef Checkoff Program. He's our grassroots advocacy specialist, and he does training with us on presentation skills, how to answer tough questions, social media knowledge, branding, anything that's going to help elevate what folks are already doing that have been through the MBA program to do more of it and do it better. Now, Tiffany, when I went through the program, I thought it was great. So I'm glad that you and Lauren brought it up today. One of the things that Ryan did was challenging us to be more active on social media and be better communicators. So I'll have to reach back out to him. I think that's a good point, And I'll talk about it more later. But social media is really where people are getting their information. And so the more we can talk about what we do there, the better. Absolutely. So Tiffany, moving on to my next question. I see that your website also has resources for retail and food service providers, including something called Beef University. Now, I don't come from the retail industry, but can you elaborate on what this is and discuss any additional resources that you have? I'll take this one. One of our programs, the Arizona Beef Council, is having materials available to our Arizona retail and food service partners. So retail being like the grocery store where we can go buy meat at the meat case that we would traditionally think of meat retailer or your favorite local grocery store. And then food service is kind of two different areas. One where you go to a restaurant and that is food service and to help provide information to chefs so that they are hopefully menuing beef to get their patrons to come in and have delicious beef meals. And then there's the behind the scenes segment of food service distributors who can be large and small and they are often from whom chefs or whoever's making the purchasing decisions at the restaurant buys their food. And that could be their steaks and beef products all the way to canned goods and paper goods that they use in store. So the materials that we have available to them come in several forms, and that could be point of sale materials and beef cut charts anywhere from a handout size to the large laminated poster size that has ordering specifications on the cut charts, as well as point of sale materials if retailers want to include those in their meat case. But really what is more interesting, what we have found recently to them is data about the consumer. And that could be market research data, it can be shopping habits, as well as trends and information about beef, because both food service and retailers are getting questions from their consumers about how beef is raised, the nutritional benefits of beef, what is the difference between different labels on beef, and how cattle are treated from all those big questions from antibiotics and safety. And so we strive to provide all of those resources to them. And one of those tools that they can go through is Beef University. And similar to the Masters of Beef Advocacy Program, it's an online module. They can create their own modules for their own company. They can walk through, and there's similar topics about beef nutrition, safety, beef cuts beef production so that they and their staff can learn more about beef. And those are offered our food service and retail partners free of charge from the beef checkoff. One unique project that we just implemented here in Arizona with U.S. Foods chef stores. There's a chef store here in Arizona in Tempe. It's like a big box store, but it doesn't have a club membership. So it's, anyone can go shop. You can go in and buy large quantities of meat or you can buy your 
normal produce. So in their meat department at eBeef Item is a QR code that when scanned goes directly to a landing page on beefwithsportsfordinner.com to explain what that cut is. So maybe they see shoulder clawed, what that cut is, where it's from on the animal, different cuts that then can be cut from that larger muscle or group of muscles and how they can be cooked. And so hopefully we're providing more information to their end customer so that they can be more comfortable and make their purchasing decisions and include beef in their menus. Now, if you have a retailer that wants to do something similar, do they just reach out to you or what are the steps they would need to go through? Yep, absolutely. We've worked with local, just Arizona retailers or food service who are just in Arizona and then if they're in multi-states, we work with our national team and the beef checkoff to get those resources to them and distribute it across multiple states and really customizing projects to their specific needs. Fantastic. As we all know, times are changing. Why is it important that Arizona Beef Council help with resources like what you guys are providing? The checkoff really is a conduit between beef farmers and ranchers and consumers. And so with resources like what Lauren just talked about, we are giving these retailers and food service providers the knowledge that they need to help consumers feel good about eating beef. We work really hard to raise our beef and we want to help these people sell as much of it as we can. So those are really good examples of how we do that. Because we are a small state, because of course, if you have low cattle numbers, I mean, comparatively, we still do have a lot of cattle in Arizona, but say in comparison to Texas, we have a very small amount of cattle, therefore a smaller state budget. So we've been able to work with other states who have high cattle numbers and lower human population numbers, like the Iowa Beef Industry Council. State of Iowa has 4 million cattle, but 1 million humans. And we have the opposite challenge in Arizona, where we have about a million head of cattle. That doesn't mean that our budget matches up, but about 6 and 7 million humans. And so we have a large human population. So we on our second year of a grant with funding from Iowa to do some programs that are exciting for us because we haven't been able to have this sort of digital advertising budget that we can reach and target specifically to Arizona consumers and specific messages at certain times of the year when they're searching for that information, whether it's health or how cattle are raised or environmental messages through YouTube, Google, or serve them up a fun ad on Spotify. And so those are some fun opportunities that work on behalf of beef farmers and ranchers to reach directly to the consumers where they are searching for that information. Lauren, I'd love to hear that. So I see noted in the resource areas of your website that classroom education is also available. And Tiffany, I know that you do everything that you can to reach out to students and educators. Can you tell me a little bit more about your experience with that and what you do? So our board has always been very focused on classroom education. We see a lot of education projects that aren't necessarily in the traditional way. I used to do a lot of classroom visits, but us being a small staff and a relatively small budget, we really had to think about how can we be as efficient and as effective with our dollar as possible. And so there's a lot of resources that we've been able to put out there. One of them, I think, like you already mentioned, is our website. So our website houses lesson plans that we have worked with teachers to develop. These are state aligned, so they are aligned to curriculum that teachers already have to teach. And so it's a great way to get beef into the classroom 
on a topic that they already have to talk about. Another resource I think of as something that can be used in an educational setting that maybe others don't think of right away is our blog. And I'll talk a little bit more about that. But the blog is basically we want to talk about the people raising beef. And so that could easily be incorporated into lessons in the classroom. More specifically, reaching out to teachers, we do what we call training the trainer. That's not obviously a term specific to us. That's something that a lot of people do. But in our case, we really focus on our culinary teachers from across the state of Arizona and mostly in the high school level. So these are folks that are teaching high school classrooms. They're reaching probably about 150 students a year. And we are super lucky to have formed a partnership and a relationship with this group of teachers over the years and now have been pretty consistent and able to present at their annual summer teacher conference. Last year, for example, we took these teachers on a tour of the Santa Rita Ranch down in Green Valley, Arizona with the McGibbon family, which was a great experience. I love to take people out to beef operations. I think it's very powerful to give someone a one-on-one -on -one experience with how beef is raised. So I try to do it as often as I can. I realize ranchers actually have another job that they have to get done. They can't just be tour guides all the time. But we did that tour with the culinary teachers, but then we went back to a classroom setting. And my goal is to give these teachers something they can take straight back to their classroom and use tomorrow if they needed to. So this year we presented them a lesson plan on umami. For those that aren't familiar with it, umami is the fifth taste. So we have salty, sweet, sour, bitter. And then umami is that rich, full flavor that beef is very heavy in. And so it's a really perfect opportunity for the culinary teachers to take something back to their classroom that's unique and a little bit exciting for their students that also can be very heavy in the beef side. They took these back to their classroom and got great response from it. They did a taste test. So they tasted different things that had umami and then they tasted things together. For example, beef and tomatoes really make this really rich umami flavor. And so they did those kind of things. Along with that, it doesn't necessarily go with just our culinary teacher, but we have the Beef of the Classroom grant program. And I'll be real honest, this is not our original idea. Other beef councils were already doing this. We borrowed it and shaped it into a program for us. What it is, is we give out $100 grants to culinary and agriculture high school or middle school teachers in Arizona. With that $100 grant, they can only purchase beef to use in a lesson plan. The cool thing about this program is it takes relatively few staff hours. So this is where I like to really think about being effective and efficient, but still reaching a lot of students at the same time. The teachers do have to send in an application every year to be part of our grant program. We review that, they send in lesson plans so we can know what they're teaching on and make sure that all the information is correct. We also give them resources if they need it as far as cut charts or lesson plan booklets or lesson plans. And then once they've completed the lesson plan in their classroom, they send us a copy of their receipt, obviously with the beef purchase on there and a reimbursement form to tell us how it went, what happened, and then pictures. I always love to see pictures of what's happening. This has been a really cool opportunity to build relationships in the high schools with these teachers because budgets get cut all the time. And for culinary teachers, oftentimes one of the things they cut out first is beef because they see it as something that's more expensive. So we're happy that we can get beef back in that classroom. Another cool thing that we've seen happen over the years is that teachers 
don't stop at the $100 of spending. Generally, they'll spend about $150 to $175. So they're spending above the grant amount of their own dollars. So that's been kind of a cool side bonus to this program. This is a program that we have had in place for a few years, but we're very fortunate and excited to work with the Arizona Cattle Research and Education Foundation. They provided us with a grant to fund this. We're very grateful for that funding. Well, Tiffany, I have to say that's super exciting. And one of the things that I am always impressed with is how you guys always find a way to really maximize the dollars. Thank you for that, and that's very impressive. One other program that I really want to talk about when it comes to the educational things that we do here at the Beast Council is the Summer Agriculture Institute program. This is not a program that we do by ourselves. This is a program that we, we're actually just part of a committee that works on it. So we partner with the University of Arizona Extension Office, the Arizona Farm Bureau, the Dairymen, don't want to leave anybody out, the Department of Education. And what this program is, is we take 30 teachers, K through 12, every summer across the state of Arizona for a week to tour Arizona agriculture. While it's not just beef related, that's kind of our portion that we contribute is finding beef stops for these teachers to see. They get to see all things agriculture. It's a really dynamic week. There's a lot of lesson plan development that goes on during the week as well. They're gaining a lot of information and we want to help them to kind of boil all that down into something they can take back to their students. So that's a program that we're happy to be part of every year. So along with education, sustainability is a hot topic, but many people may not know that the U.S. is the most environmentally efficient beef production country in the world. Can we talk about this? We had the opportunity last year to have a presentation with Arizona State University's School for the Future of Innovation in Society, who works very closely with the School of Sustainability. The School for the Future of Innovation in Society was really interested in technology that ranchers use and how that plays a role in the sustainability of raising beef on our Arizona landscape. So we had Dr. Sarah Place, who is an expert in all things sustainability, focusing on beef, as well as Dr. Dean Fish from the Santa Fe Ranch Foundation in Nogales, and Chuck Backus from the Quarter Circle U Ranch, who was a longtime professor at ASU. So it was a wonderful connection for him as well. And they each spoke on what sustainability means to them on their ranches, as well as had a panel discussion. And we had really interesting conversations about technology from the student professor standpoint, because as we know, there are a lot of conversations happening on universities, especially here in Arizona, about what sustainability means. And it's important to give our Arizona ranchers a platform where they can discuss what sustainability means to them. So if you have a chance, our YouTube page is Arizona Beef on YouTube to watch that recap. Um, and for other resources, we know that sharing on social media is great and sharing an infographic that's easy to read is even better and gets the point across. So on both beefresearch.org is a deep dive into all things beef sustainability and all the research the Beef Checkoff has done in that realm, including a full life cycle assessment of everything that goes into raising beef and product of beef. Beef at sportsfordinner.com houses a beef production a whole section. Those are the two great websites for online resources because whether we like it or not, sustainability is and going to continue to be a hot topic of discussion. And that's not only in our food choices. We have the data to show that 
cattle are good for the environment, that ranchers are stewards of the land. And that's a message that we'll continue to share, especially through our blog, Arizona Beef Blog, and then as well as through all of this research that Beef Checkoff works on. Thanks, Lauren. And one of the things that I always appreciate is that we have such local experts like a Chuck Bacchus and like Dean Fish here that are local in Arizona. So a large part of consumer education, and you mentioned it, is social media outreach. And Tiffany, it's so important that it's a part of your job title. So let's talk about what Arizona Beef Council is doing on social media and how producers and consumers can both get involved. This is one of my favorite topics. The social media landscape is a fascinating place. It evolves rapidly, so it's something you kind of have to be one of those people that enjoyed learning, and I definitely do, so I appreciate it being in my job title on a personal level. We are on Facebook and Instagram at Arizona Beef. We are also on Twitter, but it was recently decided that maybe that's not the best use of our time. Twitter is an interesting landscape for those that have been out there on Twitter. Being on Facebook and Instagram and also on our blog, our goal is to share the stories of people raising Arizona beef. When you really start to boil it down with consumers, if you ask them questions, as you should, if you have a consumer ask you a question, you should really try to dig into what's behind this question. Most of what we found out is they want to know who's raising the beef they eat. And so that's kind of where our strategy has come from. People want to know who's raising our Arizona beef. One of my favorite things, I say it probably too much, but it helps me to remember when I'm producing content, why we're doing this, is that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So we can spout facts to people all day long, but if they don't understand that we have a real passion for what we do out there raising cattle and taking care of the land, they're not going to care about our scientific facts. It's a fun job to go out and talk with producers and share those stories, talking about how we care for cattle, the land we use, and then also caring about the consumers that end up eating that beef as well. As I've mentioned a few times, we really want to use everything we do, but the social media especially, we want to help consumers feel good about eating beef. So one of our specific projects that I'd like to talk about is our blog, but more importantly, we're doing a more in-depth Meet Your Rancher blog campaign, which is also being funded by a grant from the Arizona Cattle Research and Education Foundation. And the funding is going towards traveling. We're going to go out to operations and then also hiring a professional photographer to take pictures of the people we're talking to and the operations they're working on. We recently completed a blog post and it's been live for about a month, I think, maybe a month and a half on Kathy Lyman. One of the focuses we want to do is obviously introducing the people that are raising beef, but also talking about something they do on their ranch or in their community that the general consumer will be able to connect with. And so, as most people know, Kathy Lyman, she is a huge advocate of volunteering in her community. And so that's something that we focused on there. The results of her blog posts have been amazing. And Kathy already has a great social following, so that definitely helps. But to give you some context, our blog's been around for about three years, and one of our top read blog posts has been viewed about 1,900 times. Kathy's blog has been out for about a month and a half and has been viewed 1,700 times. So it's definitely the quality is there. The professional photos help a lot, but it's that story I think that people are really connected with. It's been a fun project and we're excited for 
future blogs that are coming out about that. We've got, just as a sneak peek, some feed yard features, some people in the dairy industry. So we're getting out there and talking to lots of different people on that. Tiffany, I love that. And I think one of the really neat things that you've latched onto with social media and really have the knack for is people really want to feel good about what they're doing, whether it's a lifestyle or what they're eating. And you've made that accessible to people where before maybe it wasn't. And now they can feel comfortable and confident when eating beef. What are some of your favorite answers to give to consumers when they ask a beef producer why they should eat beef? This is a really great question. There's so many cool things that we get to share about beef. When it boils down to nutrition, my favorite thing to talk about is that beef is really a nutritional powerhouse. To give some context to that statement, I love to talk to people about one three-ounce serving of beef, which happens to be about the size of the palm of your hand, contains about 170 calories. Not very many calories, but it contains over half of your protein needs for the day. And maybe to somebody that doesn't watch calories all the time or isn't you know, concerned about their specific nutritional needs, that might not mean a whole lot. But in reality, it means a ton. And on top of the protein you're getting, you're getting nine other essential nutrients. Not only that, it's a complete protein, meaning that we have all of the essential amino acids our body needs to function. If we start talking about plant-based proteins, you kind of have to mix and match to meet those amino acid requirements. What I love to tell people is it's delicious and nutritious. And what more could you want? And I think beef really brings people together. And its authenticity, I think, is what gives it staying power. There's no substitute for beef. Absolutely, Lauren. Tiffany, thank you guys. And something else that is still on everyone's mind and, you know, as we're doing this recording, the fact that things are crazy and in flux with international travel. I found out while doing research for this podcast that the checkoff program also ensures beef maintains its international status through a subcontractor, the U.S. Meat Export Federation, which uses checkoff support to promote the unique attributes of U.S. beef worldwide. Now, I thought this was really interesting. Can you fill the audience in a little bit more about beef campaigns from this relationship? have always been so interesting to me. And yes, we can't speak to the political climate because who knows what's going on every day and when the checkoff doesn't work on the policies or the trade aspects, but it sure is something to watch. Now, what the checkoff can do is support beef promotion and education around the world. And the U.S. Meat Export Federation represents the beef checkoff in over 80 countries. Exports are an important part of our beef continuum. And U.S. beef is in high demand around the world. But an important part of that, not only are those middle meats, what we call the steaks and the good New York strips or fillets or ribeyes or T-bones and porterhouses are in high demand but what about all those extra products that we as American consumers really love to eat? I mean, I haven't had beef tongue on my menu in a while, though I have, you know, we'll go for some beef tongue tacos. But it's important to find markets where beef tongue or lips or heart or livers go for very low dollar value here in the U.S. But the export markets for them are a lot bigger and we can get a lot more money in different markets for those interesting beef cut to utilize the whole animal. So for example, the U.S. Meat Export Federation can do grilling demonstrations, have presence at food shows and in-store demos for beef lip and tripe that are in high demand in Mexico. And short ribs, though we do love our short ribs here in the U.S., they have an even higher demand in Korea. 
And, and interestingly, and largely due to the USMEF support and involvement in Korea, all of the Costco's in Korea are currently selling 100% U.S. beef. So I think that's a really great success story of the beef checkoff at work through the U.S. Meat Export Federation. Another one of those interesting cuts, I do love some liver and onions every once in a while. I think our generation <laughs> isn't so keen on it, but a lot of beef livers are exported to Egypt. And I just heard recently, this was interesting to me, that livers have increased demand in South America and 10% currently of all beef livers are going to Peru because they're high in iron and they're trying to fight anemia in Peru and beef is high in iron, especially livers are even more so. And so that's an additional export market that gives overall value to the whole animal that will hopefully impact the producer. And I know cattle markets have been quite unpredictable late recently, especially with all of this health news uh, globally. But the beef checkoff can work in those special markets. Like one more example is the Latin American product showcase in San Juan, Puerto Rico, promoting quality and consistency of U.S. beef and having the audience of 190 buyers from 23 countries from the Caribbean, Central America, and South America to highlight beef from the U.S. And I think it's important to maintain those export markets because it gives more value to the carcass of all of the different cuts that we don't have as high demand for in the, here in the U.S. Well, and Lauren, I think one of the great things about it is, is we can export all of the parts of the animal that we don't use or that we sort of turn our noses up towards as part of that idea of what sustainability can look like to us rather than letting other people determine what that is and not being wasteful. Mm-hmm. That's so true. So ladies, this has been a fun conversation. Is there anything that we may have missed that you would like the audience to know? I want everybody to know that your checkoff is working hard for you. And it's not just me saying that. I know that I work hard and I really enjoy my job and Lauren does as well, but we actually have a research study that shows that. So there's an ROI study which came out in August of 2019. It was a third party commissioned by the National Beef Checkoff Program and conducted by Dr. Harry M. Kaiser of Cornell University. What this research study showed was for every dollar invested in the beef checkoff program, we had a return on investment of $11.91. So to give that some more meat. The Cattlemen's Beef Board activities have had a substantial impact on beef demand in the U.S. and in foreign markets. These activities actually increased beef demand by 2.6 billion pounds per year between 2014 and 2018. And I think this one makes me grateful for the beef checkoff, but might make you cringe a little bit too. Without a national beef checkoff, U.S. beef demand would have been 14.3% lower than it actually was by the end of 2018. And then going back to our export conversation, the Cattlemen's Beef Board Investment and Export Marketing Programs increased U.S. beef exports by 5.5%. That study helps to quantify all of the hard work that's been put into the national beef checkoff and your local beef checkoffs as well. And I think we get to do a lot behind the scenes that don't really get the splashy headlines or the billboards or the newspaper ads or articles, but we also work on issues management and constantly monitoring news and how many times beef is mentioned or in what context, and then also 
in response mode to respond to articles and have key spokespeople in the form of bee farmers and ranchers in Arizona and train them so that they are comfortable doing media interviews and then implementing a crisis response that hopefully knock on wood doesn't need to happen. But we're always planning the behind the scenes, whether it's an animal health or food safety issue that comes up. We're always working behind the scenes to keep an eye on all of those issues and not only updating ourselves, but our board and all of our partners from retail food service to our Arizona cattle women and cattle men. And a lot of the behind the scenes that Tiffany does of digital marketing and targeting specific audiences that we can utilize the checkoff dollars efficiently to be very targeted with specific messages. I think that what I like is seeing the actual numbers that we can get now with digital advertising of how many people have clicked through or seen those ads and also driving traffic to our national websites. And if we remember anything, com is our great national resource for everyone from those who pay the checkoff to if you're just looking for a great beef recipe to cook tonight, as well as you do pay the checkoff if you own cattle and you've sold cattle. I encourage everyone to go to the Beef Board's website, and that's beefboard.org. And I give highlights of all programs that the beef checkoff program implements from the national contractors all the way to the state level, as well as you can sign up for email updates from the Arizona Beef Council, but also through the Cattlemen's Beef Board. There's a quarterly mailer newsletter that goes out and an email. So you can sign up on beefboard.org and Tiffany will let you know our Arizona properties. Thank you, ladies. So I have just a couple of fun questions left. First, what is the best way to reach both of you? And then I want to know personally what your favorite cut of beef is. The age-old question. You can find our phone number, email, all on our website at ArizonaBeef.com. So Arizona spelled out, beef like the steak. That's what I have to tell people when I'm on a phone call with people who aren't familiar. Um, And then if you want to just stay up to date with what we're doing on the day-to-day, check out our Facebook and Instagram. And that's also at ArizonaBeef. And then also our blog, which is ArizonaBeefBlog.com. My favorite cut of beef is definitely the flat iron. It's something that's more common now, but I still, every time I go to present, I always talk about the flat iron some way or somehow because I'm just obsessed with it. And I ask people, who's had the flat iron? And just a few people raise their hand. It's delicious. It's a really beefy cut. I love that beefy flavor. And so that's definitely my favorite. I just did a flat iron last night that my husband grilled, and the flat iron is the second most tender muscle in the animal, second to the tenderloin. Um, and I just roasted some Yukon gold potatoes and red onion and poblano chilies, and it was delicious. A great, easy, quick weeknight meal. I'm going to go, well, they're all my favorite, but in this season right now, I love using my crock pot. And set it and forget, low and slow. So I love those braising cuts. And I recently did a recipe from the Texas Beef Council, a beef barbacoa. And I used a round roast, which you can use a chuck roast or any other roast that you have on hand. It was real tangy with orange juice and lime juice and some really good flavors and loved it on tacos. But I mean, there are all so many great cuts. I think I might have to come have dinner at your house sometime. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't that sound amazing? <laughs> We can do it another does. podcast live in the kitchen. Yes. I think I can do that. You ladies just wait and see. Um, <laughs> no, this has been so much fun. Thank you both so much. It's been a great conversation. Thank you for having us and let's go have some beef for dinner.
That wraps up this episode of Agribusiness Conversations. And just for fun, I've provided a link to the barbacoa recipe that Lauren referenced. Take care and we'll catch you all next time. Mm-hmm.